Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Woven in Truth podcast. My name is Kelsey Kamanayan, and I am co-hosting today with Mallory Meltrapost. You know her well. <laughs> and I'm super excited. Today, we are going to be having our episode with Lauren Peterson. Lauren, do you want to introduce yourself? I'd love to. Uh, so I'm Lauren Peterson. I'm a therapist here in Illinois with Strength Serenity Counseling, and I've been married for 10 years and have three awesome kids. Awesome. That's so great to hear. Um, so can you tell us a, li- a little bit about what you're going to be talking with us today? Yeah. So today we are talking about um, basically embodying Christianity as women. So um, I, in my practice, do a lot of sex therapy. And one of the things that I see over and over is just issues with inhabiting our body, what that means as a Christian, just feeling really confused about that. So I've been studying that a lot and I'm excited to share what I've learned. Mm. Lauren, we're so excited about this. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I do understand that these aren't always like easy conversations. So I think I'm so grateful for people to help (laughs) people like you that help guide us through them because it's probably true for me for sure, but for a lot of us, and we want to approach all this stuff with a lot of sensitivity and compassion. And what's Mm -hmm. cool is that's totally what you exude. So because it is tricky, right? We kind of live between two worlds, two kingdoms, right? We hear two different stories, two different narratives, actually probably a lot more than two now that I'm thinking about it. Dozens, right? About what it means to be human, you know? So I'm so excited and really grateful for for your thoughts and and insights today. Um, So I think kind of what we're hoping is that you could just go through, I know you've prepared um, some awesome stuff for us and we'd love to, to just let you dive in and we might pop in later. Rock and roll. Well, and I have to apologize to all of your lovely listeners because I have a head cold today. So I apologize in advance for whatever clogged voice you hear. I love it. It's just like uh, raspy, like Phoebe, like Phoebe. (laughs) (laughs) Amy Winehouse vibes. There you go. I already kind of sound like a man when I wake up every morning. So this just (laughs) drops it a whole deeper octave. But um, so before we kind of like jump into the content, I really want to clarify that I am not a theologian. (laughs) And anybody who knows me knows that. But for anyone who's never met me, I am not. Um, But today we are going to dip our toes slightly into some theological waters. Um, And I also want to clarify that it is not my goal to give gobs of answers. Um, It's primarily my goal to A, normalize the questions and frustrations that lots of us Christian women feel Mm -hmm. um, and experience regarding our bodies, um, and to B, encourage gentle curiosity. So, and that's like the most therapeutic term ever, but I really do mean that. I think sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves um, for not having all the answers or demand that we have answers immediately. And I just want us to be gently curious. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and like you said, we've all sometimes with, when it comes to our bodies, we walk some rocky roads. And so we want to be really gentle. Um, One of my favorite quotes comes from this um, Matthew Anderson book called earth and vessels, which much of this discussion will refer to. And he states more often than not, we don't know which lies and bad arguments we have formed our lives around. After all, the ideas that are deepest in us are almost never learned in books, but are forged and ingrained through the habitual patterns of life that make up our embodied existence. Mm -hmm. And as Paul urges, my hope is that today's discussion can encourage us all to be Bereans, testing to see if what's been told to us or sold to us even about our bodies is true. 
Um, Because the cultures that surround us send us a never-ending onslaught of information about our bodies. And I know you guys just did a podcast on body image Mm -hmm. and probably covered a lot of that territory. But, you know, society tells us what makes our bodies valuable, Mm -hmm. what they should look like, sound like, act like, feel like, how they're most productive. And so, you know, may we be women who filter these messages through the word of God so that our deepest ideas about these precious bodies are not built by habit Mm -hmm. or unwittingly adopted patterns, but by the Holy Spirit himself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were talking earlier, as I've studied this, the more I study the body and what the word of God says about the body, the more confused I get. (laughs) Amen. I think... You know, and and I'm not a theologian, but, you know, I've got a full-time job. I've got three kids, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got, I've got stuff to do. And so I don't have 40 hours a week to study this out. Um, But I love that God tells us we have a living and active word. And I really do believe that, you know, wherever we are in our journey with our body, that if we start really genuinely sitting before God and going, okay, what do you want me to learn about myself right Mm -hmm. now that God will give us what we need right now. So um, hopefully we'll get some nuggets um, that kind of meet everybody where they're at. Um, So like I said, in my practice, in my church, in my own home, I am surrounded by women struggling with body image. I am a woman struggling with body image. And one of my like clearest examples, I have a bump in my nose. Anyone who's met me has seen my little bump in my nose. Um, And it's incredible how easily I say that I hate my nose, Mm. like hate, like literally despise something that God created Mm. with such tender purpose and care. And I just say it without a second thought. I just say, I hate it. Mm. And, you know, I was thinking the other day about God being the great potter and how if he was kind of you know, making this clay creation and just envisioning him like handing it to me you know, like his hands to like dripping with grog or whatever they call that. And, you know, just like, Hey, what do you think of this? I just made it. And like, how could I look into the eyes of the creator and say, I hate that. Wow. But I do that Mm -hmm. all the time. We Mm -hmm. all do that all the time. And how did we get here? Mm -hmm. How did we get to a place where we so quickly and easily hate the things that God knit together? Mm Um, and I, I think we get here with, cause there's a few main problems with the body and how we experience the body. So the first one is that as Christians, sometimes we can tend to ignore the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and, and that can come from, you know, trauma, right? We learn that the safest way to be in the body is to disconnect from it, it can yeah. come from t- chronic pain, right? We feel like the safest way to function throughout the day is just to numb out as much as possible. Um, and additionally, with the introduction of social media, we have this added dimension of who we present ourselves to be versus who we really are. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that changes how we sit in our bodies, mm-hmm. because how often have any of us said something on Facebook or Instagram that we would never say in real life, mm, right? Totally. Like, mm-hmm. even if we're not complete trolls, like we've all mm-hmm. experienced that to some degree. So we have this kind of like new added separate self yes. that is not nearly as embodied, right? So we can kind of ignore our physical selves. Um, I think, you know, growing up too, I just spent a lot of my life trying to avoid my bot. Like I grew up really anxious. I was just an anxious kid. I always had kind of like a pit in my stomach. 
And I think I just learned if I'm going to function through the day, I've just got to disconnect from that, Mm. right? Like just avoid my body. So just start ignoring its cues, ignoring the red flags that I believe God is sending me through my body. Mm -hmm. You know, like you need to sleep, you need to rest, you need to breathe. You know, I don't do any of those things. I just ignore it. Yeah. Okay. Another problem I think we run into with the body as Christians is we can demonize it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is... One that unfortunately I feel like the church, you know, and and not the church, but we as the church are really good at. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Romans 7, 5 says, while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, we were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Right? It's like this scary scripture. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we can generalize these scriptures to include our entire physical body, right? right? To the point that spiritually we start looking in the mirror and seeing, you know, just the sinful body. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the only good in us is anything that's not us, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We can also feel overwhelmed by our bodies. That's another problem. And that happens a lot. I run into that a lot with my clients coming in for sex therapy. They just feel profoundly overwhelmed by the arousal that they experience on a daily basis. We can feel overwhelmed by the anxiety that we experience, overwhelmed. I mean, just being in a human body can feel really overwhelming and confusing, um, especially for people who experience same-sex attraction. I mean, it just can feel really, really confusing and overwhelming. Another problem that we can run into is internalizing the world's misuse and objectification of the body. Mm-hmm. And I know this is probably something you guys covered um, recently, but you know, this world, the world we're in kind of has these two extremes for the female body. Mm-hmm. And there's one, which is, you know, on one end of the extreme, we're being objectified kind of as passive recipients of the objectification. So, you know, like music video dancers, lingerie models, strip clubs, it's kind of like one end of the extreme. The other end of the extreme of objectification is more this like dominatrix ideal, Mm -hmm. you know, this BDSM style female sexuality, which typically results in its own form of obviously hypersexualization, but then objectification of the body. And it's interesting because both those extremes have a preferred body type focus on specific areas of the female body, breast, butt, and face, Mm -hmm. and de-emphasize the woman as a whole person Mm -hmm. and overemphasize physical attributes. Mm. And even though from a Christian perspective, we can look at that and go, I want none of that. (laughs) Sometimes we can internalize it without even really knowing. And that kind of goes back to Matthew Anderson's point. We just adopt things without even meaning to. Um, But, you know, I think it's interesting to consider the way we've taken the the world's female body ideals and kind of put a religious spin on them, you know, like the Daniel fast or, you know, the the hallelujah diet or, you know, Mm -hmm. And, mm-hmm. and while those things can be helpful, many of us use them as another avenue to continue in our hatred of ourselves mm. and our hatred of, of what God has given us. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I think sometimes we can run into problems because we over um, medicalize the body. And, mm. and that kind of goes back to that history of chronic pain or injury. We can start to really view the body. And, and I see this often too with people who are maybe in extremes of like health conscious, like the body is not something to enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's just something to perfect or, you know, it's like a tool, really utilitarian about it. Yeah. Um, And, and we, 
we completely disconnect from any kind of sensate enjoyment, like Mm -hmm. slowly eating a piece of chocolate or, you know, like, you know, food is fuel. It's not to enjoy. And and we just completely separate from that sensual experience. Um, And unfortunately, all these problems come with consequences. Mm -hmm. And I see that every day in my practice. And that's really what made me want to kind of study this out biblically is just because I kept seeing these consequences. Um, And the first one that I, you know, kind of identified is just that, you know, when I am in this place, when I'm struggling with my body, when my clients are, one of the biggest things I see is that we cannot experience joy and positive emotion to our fullest extent. And if Mm -hmm. you've listened to any of Brene Brown's work on shame, you know that she kind of concluded in her studies that you can't numb single emotions, Mm -hmm. right? You can't numb the negative emotions and then be unaffected and all the positives that, that kind of has this, you know, broad lowering effect. Like if I disconnect from my anger, well, then I don't have the capacity to be quite as joyful, Mm -hmm. right? We have to allow ourselves to experience all the emotion. Um, And I think that when we disconnect ourselves to avoid arousal, anger, or whatever else we perceive as negative in our bodies, we stunt our ability to experience the best parts of the five senses, like sensual touch, exquisite taste. Um, And unfortunately, that disconnection from the body can also have a consequence that it opens the door to sin, Mm. which is really bizarre because a lot of times we disconnect from our body to avoid sin. We're so terrified of, of, you know, um, sinning sexually or, you know, sinning in our anger, you know, our spouse that we just kind of disconnect and numb out. But then what I see over and over is that when we are disconnected from our bodies, we're unaware of the good, but also deeply unaware of the bad. So we can't catch right? Mm-hmm. Satan uses that as fuel. And what I mean by that is most, for example, most of the sexual addicts I've worked with have a profound disconnect between their emotions and their minds and their bodies. Mm-hmm. I can ask them how they feel about something. And more often than not, they can only tell me what they think. Mm-hmm. They can't tell me what they feel. When I ask, where do you feel that in your body? it's often profoundly difficult to connect any emotion with bodily discomfort. You know, like I'm anxious. So there's a pit in my stomach, right? That is usually very disconnected in sexual addiction and someone completely disconnected from their body might be triggered or angered by their boss at 9am and by 5pm be engaging in pornography and masturbation and feel flabbergasted as to how they got there. But in reality, they've been seething in anger all day long and had no idea because they're so disconnected from their body, which is just so heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. right? That we can want to do the good, but when we avoid being truly embodied, it's really difficult. Um, And for anyone listening, there's a really great book called It's Not Always Depression by Hilary Jacobs Hendel. And um, she's not a Christian therapist, so, you know, take the meat and leave the bones. But it's a really great primer in how to kind of reintegrate the mind and the body if you feel like that's something that you struggle with. So, and Jay Stringer also has a great book called Unwanted. And he, for anyone experiencing sexual addiction, he talks about how to kind of reintegrate um, the experience of anger physically, of grief physically, and really begin to process those again so that you're not quite so disconnected. Um, 
And so you can look at kind of all these problems, all these consequences of the problems and feel like, oh my gosh, what do we do? <laughs> um, and and I, I don't think there's any perfect solution, um, but I do think there's kind of some places to start. And okay. I think, you know, one of the biggest things is recognizing the body as essential to the human experience and as good in its original form. Mm. I think when we have the self-hate, when we have this, um, you know, this kind of demonization of the body and we disconnect from it it's really unfortunate we don't get to experience you know our walk with god or even the physical spiritual disciplines the way that god designed us to Mm -hmm. Um, and i think the first step to getting back to god's vision for our walk with him is really understanding the difference between what is original in our bodies and what's broken Mm -hmm. in our bodies right so um that's kind of the difference between arousal original good Adam and Eve's experience in the garden. This is our original intent for our body. Lust, Mm -hmm. broken, sinful. Um, Another example would be nakedness. God's original intent for our body. Nothing wrong with it. Wonderful in correct context Um, or exposure, Mm -hmm. right? Feeling shame or, you know, forcible exposure, not God's intent. Um, our range of emotions, right? Sadness, anger, joy, all those things, God's intention. We see God experiencing all those emotions versus sinful expression, broken. Another one is touch cravings, God's intention. We all need to be touched, want to be touched. It's good versus sexual immorality, not God's intention, broken. (laughs) So I think if, instead of kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, if we can kind of start working on parsing out what's original and what's broken. Mm -hmm. And biblically, if you start diving into scripture, um, you know, if you look at Romans eight, five, it says those who live according to the flesh mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. Now, when you read scriptures like that, it can feel like, Okay, well, sure sounds like the body is evil. Yeah, the flesh. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, Um, but if you look into the Greek, that word there is sarx. It means flesh, right? And so it also means animal appetites or beast-like nature. That's what Marty Solomon defines as the flesh, right? Mm -hmm. And that's different than soma, which is body. Okay. Okay, and there's all these uses of these words in the New Testament, and in the Old Testament as well. And so in the New Testament, sarks comes up 147 times and 91 of them are in the Pauline writings. And about half of them are kind of this new, interesting way of using it where he means kind of the animal craving sinful nature. All the other uses of the word flesh or body in the New Testament and all the uses of the word body or flesh in the Old Testament are this kind of either neutral or positive reference to the body. Interesting. Wow. So it's important that we take scriptures like this and we do not separate them out, Mm -hmm. but we keep them in context and build on the foundation of the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. right? Which is that we are knitted together in our mother's womb, right? That, you know, that Genesis, the classic Genesis 1, 27, God created mankind in his own image, Mm -hmm. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So it's important that as we're students of this topic, that we build on 
the correct foundation and look at the Bible as a whole. That's so yeah. good. Um, and I, I love, you know, just the complexity of the discussion of the flesh and body. Um, and it does make it kind of clear as mud once you start picking through it. But mm-hmm. um, I love how Matthew Anderson describes kind of the idea of making peace with the fact that yes, the body is good, but also there's this brokenness in it that we feel every day. And and how do we balance those two things? And he says on page 31 of earth vessels, the incarnation of Jesus affirms the body's original goodness. Mm. The death of Jesus reminds us of its need for redemption and the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope for its restoration, right? So yes, this body that I am in is good. It was created good. And Jesus literally was in a body just like mine and could not have been in it if it wasn't good. Right, right. Yes, there are parts of my, you know, I I love how there's this um, first century writer, I think I don't know if this is how you pronounce his name, but it looks like Ambrosiaster. This is a really fun name. My man. Um, <laughs> and he, when he's looking at some of Paul's writings and his use of the word sarks, and, you know, these early church writers really wrestled with this and wrestled with Paul kind of talking about the body in this almost kind of seeming humanized way. And I don't get in trouble with Paul for saying that. But um, Ambrosiaster's kind of interpretation of that is that the body is good, but Satan uses the natural cravings of the flesh, like sleep, food, touch, and tries to exploit them. Yes. Wow. Right. So yes, I am in this good body, but I also have these kind of natural mortal cravings and Satan uses them and exploits them. And so there is this constant reminder of needing redemption. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, if you look at the idea of the resurrection, right? And that we we see in the Bible that we will carry some form of bodies. It's really profound to think, you know, man, maybe this body in some form, I'm going to be in it for eternity, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that there will be restoration and, and it will not always feel like this. And I will be back to my original goodness. And that just, I think, brings so much hope and, and calms the part of me that just feels anxious about this topic mm-hmm. um, and confused. But lastly, I think one of the things that we can do um, is just start to try to reintegrate the body as part of the whole. Um, and I think that from a spiritual perspective, integrating more of the spiritual disciplines like Sabbath, mm-hmm. silence and solitude, mm-hmm. you know, slow living, you know, really enjoying taste, touch, smells, you know, really kind of counter this American lifestyle a little bit and be more embodied in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing I think we can do is just gratitude for the areas of the body that the world ignores, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's all these, all this emphasis on certain parts of the female body and de-emphasis on other parts. And, and I just, it's so interesting because I think when I read Song of Songs and they look at, you know, all the complimenting that they give to one another, sometimes yeah. it's so random. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, that's a weird part like of the your, body. Like, your hair is like a flock of goats. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that got weird. But I love, Maya Angelou has this poem called Phenomenal Woman. And I love it because mm-hmm. she does that. And um, 
you know, the whole poem is great, but there's this little excerpt that says, when you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, and the need for my care. Because mm. I am a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. Wow. And I just love how she takes all these things that the world just overlooks and goes, you know what? That is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's God's desire for us as women in our bodies, like that we do not mm-hmm. ignore mm-hmm. all the parts that he made because they're all incredible. So... Yeah, I think hopefully we can be a part of a culture shift that challenges the cultural objectification, but also some of the religious silencing of the body and and really start to shift our view to see it as originally good and built for pleasure. And, you know, that that is, that's great and awesome. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. I, I had a question, like for some of us that are maybe just now sitting with this, like, what would be the question we ask? Like what, cause I was trying to think of, okay, what is the narrative that I've been kind of living under when it comes to life in a body? Do you know what I mean? When it comes to spirituality in a body, when it comes to whatever, um, is that the question you would ask to kind of start this? Like, what is that narrative? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I would kind of sit with myself and I think of course, asking what is that narrative is great. I think I'm probably more rudimentary than that. (laughs) Maybe just sitting with yourself and, you know, kind of looking at your body in a mirror. Yeah. Or even just kind of like trying to focus on your body, top of your head, tip your toes, and just go, how do I feel about it right now? Mm -hmm. Like what, you know, do I feel disconnected from it? Do I feel embarrassed about it? Do I feel, you know, awkward in my body? You Mm -hmm. know, just kind of starting there right even just going what do I you know what do I even think about my body how do mm-hmm. I how does it feel to be in my body yes how does it feel to be in my body yeah it's it's crazy though when you start scratching the surface like <laughs> how complicated this stuff can get so weird yeah. it was really interesting when I love that you were talking too about kind of the dualisms like the we have these kind of mixed messages. Most the women listening to this are like Christian women. That's like our demographic. Like obviously right. everybody's different ages, life stages, geographic, socioeconomically, you know, diverse. However, we do, you know, kind of like the 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 bridge is that we want to honor God with our right. life, with our bodies, mm-hmm. right? Right. Now, the context that we're coming to that from is all very different, right? Like we all right. grew up really different. We have different histories, backgrounds, trauma. parenting, family of origin, you know, all that stuff. And so I, it's funny that it's so, the minute you like start thinking more about it, you're like, of course, this is so complex. Like, of course, this is so hard (laughs) that I'm totally fall into the, let's just avoid it. Like there's this like profound ambivalence that Ruth Haley Barton talks about. And that's how I feel like I've approached my body. Just this like, Mm -hmm. okay, I just would rather be ambivalent about it Yes. I feel that stuff and then I just like compartmentalize it or I, I don't know, like I switch in yeah. between these two things, which it's like that, it kind of makes sense why this is so difficult to start approaching, but also so cool that we don't have to stay in that ambivalent, mm-hmm. neutral, confused space. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. I think, 
Um, it kind of reminds me of like what we were talking about in our body image podcast where like we're kind of stuck in this space of like women can be too much yet not enough. Yes. And like in the scriptures, like I love how you were pointing out, um, you know, all the scriptures that talk about how good the body is and Mm -hmm. how we like how Satan uses that to like, you know, trip us up and like Mm -hmm. get a foothold on us. And, um, and so I love, you know, that you are pointing us back to the scriptures to see like, what does God really have to say about the body? And, and I'm also grateful for all the theologians and the people who are willing to like study the stuff out because I would just be a hot mess, like (laughs) trying to understand everything. Um, But also with the, you know, you have the humility of like, the more I read, the more confused I am, but right. (laughs) Amen. Right. But you were saying something about that. Like you were saying, Lauren, I'm trying to remember what you're saying. The more you, you are more confused and it feels more muddy, but you also, in some ways that actually makes you feel, what did you say? Like, I think it's kind of comforting. Comforting. Pat answer, right? That it is this complex experience. And I think sometimes, you know, somebody might be listening to this and be like, okay, what's the point of this whole conversation? Like, you know, know, we're not just like dipping into theological waters just for the sake of dipping into theological waters. I think there's real life reason to sit with this because I think as Christians, even in my own body, I can sometimes feel like, you know, I'm just trying without sinning as much as I can mm-hmm. and avoiding feeling as much physical pain as I can. Mm-hmm. My body is just so much more than that. Like I am meant to experience so much joy and pleasure mm-hmm. and excitement in my body. Right. And I find that as a Christian, if I try to separate myself from my body, I just mm-hmm. going to miss so much of God's vision for my life. Totally. And I think in Christian circles, although we don't all have the exact same background, I do think there is this, I'm glad you hit on that. Like there is what is physical and what is spiritual aren't designed to be in opposition all the time. Mm -hmm. And I I definitely don't underestimate the confusion and damage done by dualistic approaches. Like, like in teaching, just sometimes I think it's for luck. Like people just don't know better. So it's like, it's just easier to say, here's the line. Do you know what I mean? Like, and live here because it's safer. But then the damage that does to people in their lives and their future relationships. Right. Holy right. smokes, right? right? Or like you said, you know, because because we're scared, yeah. right? Like there's a lot of times we're like, okay, this dualistic approach feels more comfortable right. because it's scary, right? Mm-hmm. Or we've had trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Like it can be like, you know, being in my body doesn't feel safe. And so- I'm just going to try to avoid being in my body as much as right. humanly possible. And, you know, for example, I think in a, like a real life example, you know, I think if you have sexual trauma in your history and then you become a disciple and then this dualistic approach of, you know, everything physical is sinful. The only thing good is spiritual. So your body is evil. So disconnect from all feelings of arousal or all feelings of attraction or, you know, just disconnect from that. Mm -hmm. That might actually feel really safe. Yeah. Right. Like if you have a history of your body being used and abused, that can feel like, okay. Right. But then 
when you say you meet the love of your life and you get married and you want to have a healthy sexual relationship and all of a sudden we have to open that door again, but Mm -hmm. we don't have any comforting Christian narrative for how to be in our body and experience arousal and you know, that that can be good and righteous then all of a sudden that is going to feel unsafe again or worldly again, or, you know, so it's important that as Christians, we have these conversations and create a space where we can be in our bodies and Mm -hmm. talk about what that means. Because I think when we come into Christianity, we sometimes come from really broken places and we just, yeah, we need a narrative that is holistic. Yeah. I am. That's so true and so pivotal. I think it it just makes me think of there's a tail end of this. Uh, it's from Sacred Rhythms. It's one of my favorite books on like spiritual practices and stuff. Which it's so true. Like how interesting one that Jesus came in a body. Two that we talk <laughs> a lot and focus on spiritual formation through spiritual discipline. That's all an embodied practice. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed yeah, to practice yeah, it, yeah, right, mm-hmm. with our mind, with our body, with our soul. Like it's this, it's this reintegration of what has felt so fractured for so many of us, even in like, okay, I, I, I love God. I'm trying to follow him. I'm doing, I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm in community. Like what's missing. There's still that fractured piece of us that we maybe have skipped over just for lack of resources or like, I don't know, like I, I'm sure it's nothing like seething and right. outside of, right. outside of, I think, uh, of Satan's will for us to not live life and live it to the full yeah. and embrace the freedom and redemption that Jesus brings. But makes me think of this tale in quotes as these conflicting and ultimately unhelpful perspectives talking about the duality point to our need for learning how to receive the goodness of the body as part of our life of in God that he pronounced good. So it's part of our life. It's this integration that you kind of kept tracing back to. And I just think that to me, that's so cool. And so, so meaningful. Like this is not just a, oh, love yourselves kind of hashtag thing, right? <laughs> right. This is like, this is huge for people that have had this, this maybe gaping hole or this very confusing, uh, experience about life in a body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love how, you know, when we start to incorporate these very physical spiritual disciplines like fasting or, um, you know, Sabbath in my family feels very physical because I'm moving really quickly and then I'm not right. <laughs> and that right. feels like a huge physical shift for me. And I just am so aware of my body on Sabbath, you know, mm-hmm. on the day that we Sabbath, I just feel, I feel all the exhaustion or I feel, yes. you know, it just feels very embodied for me. And so these physical spiritual disciplines, it's really beautiful how the more we engage in them, I feel like the more I just am in like Matthew Anderson in his book, in the end of one of his chapters, I think it's a C.S. Lewis excerpt, but it says you have never for one day in court encountered only a mere mortal. Wow. Like everyone you encounter, it's just this existential, you know, eternal being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just powerful. And I think the more I fuse you know, my spiritual and my physical and and maybe not fused, but uncover what is already fused. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The more I uncover that, the more I'm just in awe of 
every human I come across. Mm-hmm. Like I just, just feel so much more in tune with their eternal presence, which yeah. sounds like such a hippie thing to say, but <laughs> that's totally I love it. how I feel. And even, you know, studying all this, I spent um, last weekend caring for my grandfather, who's really, really ill and just studying all of this about the body and the body being good and it's, you know, original form. And then seeing this 87 year old man who's near the end of his life and just caring for him and seeing some of the most tender parts of him. And Mm. it just felt like holy ground. Wow. And I was so grateful for that understanding of the physical body, that it is not just this carnal separate thing, that it is in and of itself a good, beautiful, spiritual thing. And and just grateful for the way that that informed that experience, you know, that it just felt that much more holy. Wow, that is powerful. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. So as people, as this is stirring, us and our hearts and our minds and our experiences. I think it's excellent, right? It's good. It's good work. It's holy work. It's like, what do you, where would you point us though? Cause I mean, I, I think I'm used to podcasts wrapping up with, okay, so what do we do? You know what I mean? Like, okay, here's the, like, you know, but sometimes step plan to integrating exactly. yeah, right. give us an acronym, you know, like, but it's like some of this stuff, we have to sit in this space. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious yeah. where you would direct people that this did resonate with. And they are going, maybe God is calling me into something here. Like, sure. What, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe in 10 years I will have an acronym. <laughs> but no, I don't. Um, yeah, there's a few books that I've, I've really enjoyed as I've been studying this. The first is... Um, you know, Earthen Vessels by Matthew Anderson. I love, um, you know, if you're single and especially trying to like make peace with, you know, arousal or touch cravings or whatever, and kind of parsing out what's original, what's broken. Yeah. Um, Soul Virgins is great um, by Doug Rosenau, Redeemed Sexuality by Jennifer Conzen, Real Sex by Lauren Winner, um, Unwanted by Jay Stringer. I mentioned that earlier. It's a great one. Um, if you're experiencing sexual addiction, um, if you're married and trying to figure out, okay, you know, I, I find myself avoiding physical touch with my spouse or, you know, sexual intimacy doesn't find, doesn't seem enjoyable. Um, the art of intimate marriage by Jennifer Conson Mm -hmm. is great. Restoring the pleasure by the penners is great. Um, you know, but earthen vessels is the one that's really dedicated to like body theology. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I would probably start there. It's it's really a wonderful book. No, it's been fat. I mean, just the pieces you've shared with us and the journey, it's kind of, it sounds like it's taken you on a little bit. It's, it's phenomenal. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to dive into more of that too. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add, Kels? I, <laughs> I um, have told Mallory, I'm not much of a reader. <laughs> I don't really like books. But I'm like, ooh, like those sound like, you know, like a great place to start. And uh-huh. like, I might, you know, add some into my Amazon cart. If that's there, where you they're at. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I would, speaking of non-readers, I would also add, I mentioned this book earlier, but um, it's called, it's not always depression, which okay. is such a bizarre name for a book, but um, the audio book 
of that one is awesome because it's narrated by Hillary Jacobs Hendel and she's a therapist and she's got the best therapist voice. Oh, nice. nice. (laughs) It's a great one. Um, But she talks a lot about, you know, like how to reintegrate Mm -hmm. and start to listen to the red flags your body's giving you, you know, so disconnected. Right. Um, So that's, that's a great one. And, you know, even Mallory, you and I were talking about this yesterday, even in making, putting this together, I just noticed I was getting this growing pit in my stomach, just like this bizarre anxiety. And I just sat with it for a little bit and was like, okay, where is this pit in my stomach coming from? Okay. It's because I'm feeling anxious. What's underneath that. Okay. It's because I'm feeling scared. What am I scared of? I'm scared of leading people astray. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I was feeling that fear because I was feeling this pressure to give answers. Yes. And as soon as I relieved myself of that (laughs) pressure to create an answer, um, that pit in my stomach went away. Yeah. And I think it's because I knew deep down that these answers cannot be generalized. Right. A lot, most of these answers will be specific to our experience. Right. You know, just like we've talked about, like if you have sexual trauma, you know, what it's like for you to date in a healthy embodied way is probably going to look a little bit different than someone who didn't. Exactly. Um, You know, what it's like for me to enjoy food if I have a history of eating disorders is probably going to look a little bit different than if I don't, you know, so we can't in a lot of ways give these general acronyms (laughs) because so much of this is individualized. Exactly. And I'm, I'm so wired that way. I mean, think about it. I like, I read like in the morning if I, I do like obviously try to read the Bible. I have a book I'm usually working through trying to make time to pray, but I'll read like five minute devotions too. And I'm like, that Mm -hmm. was great because it starts and it's like a cute story. And then I have a scripture and then it wraps up of how I can use this in my life and day. And, and I think that's, I don't know, that is appealing, but I think it leaves so many holes if that's how I approach these huge areas of my life and my, you know, spirituality. Right. And so I'm really grateful though, that you sit with that. Cause some of why you felt that anxiety is cause literally like we have a working outline and I'm like leaving all these questions. How do I do this? Well, and tell me exactly, <laughs> of course. Cause I'm like putting that pressure on you. It's all Mallory's fault. It's totally my fault. <laughs> Give me all the answers. Um, <laughs> but I think, cause that's what I want. Tell me what to do. Tell me how mm-hmm. to do this. You know, how do I do this? Well, I want to do this well, cause I'm sick of avoiding it and it's caused problems for me as I have avoided it or tried to work sure. around it. And and sure. it's not been healthy, you know, to, to do that mm-hmm. or to just take these messages. And, um, we all have our stories. We all have those, you know, those interactions or those whatever that have maybe made this even more complicated for us. So all right. that to say, I really appreciate just that. I don't know that perspective. And also that like surrender of like, okay, God's going to take us through this, but we, I do yeah. think it's, it's a matter though of creating space, right? Like how we steward these mm. things matters and the attention we give to them matters. And if yeah. we feel called to give this more attention, I really believe God and his spirit will lead us in a great, yeah. healthy, amazing, redeeming direction. So all that Absolutely. to say, Lauren, I don't know if you have anything else you want to leave us with. Do you? Just in my prayer for us is that we will 
yeah, just sit before God and go, okay, God, I want to enjoy my body. Mm -hmm. Show me what I need to do to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Show me, you know, where I'm stuck in that area and show me, show me how I can truly enjoy this incredible gift you've given me. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Well, we so appreciate your life and your brain and your ministry and just the ways that that's, that's helping us right now. You are incredible. So thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. And I feel like I probably just confused more than helped, but not at all. (laughs) Not at all. This is like, well, that's what you said at the beginning, right? This is the goal. Like, let's get curious. We're not like wrapping this up, but it is curiosity, gentle curiosity. And that is exactly a joy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We love you. And everybody who listened, we really, you know, we hope this resonated with you and that God uses it to lead you in maybe some cool, amazing directions that he has planned. So loved in with a little bit of hope. There is so much peace and wholeness that awaits us when these aspects of ourselves that were always meant to be integrated, finally reintegrate. So we appreciate you listening to the podcast today and we will catch you next time. We are one.